Warning! This episode contains some graphic content and language that may be offensive to some audiences. Though to be clear, this is exactly the point. If you're unfamiliar with it, Reddit is a massive global forum where people can go to discuss just about anything. It's comprised of what seems like an infinite number of sub-forums, otherwise known as subreddits. We've made a joke on this show before that the supervillain Thanos was only concerned about sustainability as well. And we're not alone in that style of thinking. In fact, there is an entire subreddit called Thanos Did Nothing Wrong. For the most part, this is probably meant to be tongue-in-cheek, but really, it's not difficult to believe that some think this to be a viable strategy. Reducing our global population could increase global sustainability. Here's the interesting thing. Remember back in episode 9, where we mentioned that if we don't alter course soon, the global human death toll would total in the billions? And then in episode 14, where we mentioned that we have not really altered our course. Well, our apathy and inaction are paving the way towards this ridiculous death toll. Whether we have subconsciously chosen it or not, the world, as of now, is fully embracing Thanos' plan of killing off a significant portion of life on our planet. Or, if we're really lucky, we'll kill it all off. Oops, our bad. We forgot to mention this is another Jaded Truth episode. Welcome to The Jaded Truth, where we slap you across the face with unpleasant realities. My name is John, Carlos's evil twin is with me as well. This is episode number 25, and the third episode of our Jaded Truth series. Today, we're furthering our attempt to dropkick the world out of apathy. Now, before we go on any further, as per the other Jaded Truth episodes number 9 and 17, we need to forewarn you that these episodes are intended to be a bit more emotionally intense than our other episodes. We might even say things that could be seen as offensive, so if this is your first visit to our show, or if you're not in the mood for something emotionally draining, maybe listen to a different episode, or come back when you're feeling more up to it. Sustainability consumes most of my life these days. In fact, I've been at this quite relentlessly for a couple of years now. And every so often, the odd person has asked me where my motivation is, or if I'm an environmentalist. I've sometimes responded that environmentalism was something we needed to do decades ago. This is the battle for human survival. But the entire planet seems like a bit too ambitious for me to use as a motivation. Internally scaling down the problem is useful for me to not start feeling overwhelmed. For whatever reason, I found thinking of the victims of overfishing is my way of not feeling too overwhelmed when motivating myself to sacrificing so much of my time and energy on this. Billions of people depend on fish as their primary source of food, and many of these people are already living in harsh conditions. So when these fish run out in the next decade or two, there will be a large chunk of our fellow humans that will starve to death. Whenever the apathy, or inaction, for you non-English native speakers, of others starts to eat away at me, and I feel as though all of this time and energy has been wasted, I imagine the following scenario. If there is an afterlife, 
I feel as though there's a chance I'll have to face those I have let down in this life. And if I am unsuccessful at reversing this global apathy, I'll have to look at these victims in the face, one by one, and apologize that I didn't have what it took to prevent their deaths. I gave up. I didn't try hard enough. Didn't push hard enough. Didn't pull out absolutely every stop. I didn't scream loud enough. I didn't fight hard enough. One by one, they look at me. They don't respond. Some struggle to stand, too frail to hold themselves up on edema-riddled feet. Others are cursed with grossly distended abdomens, cruelly given the illusion of being well-fed while inside their body is literally feeding on itself. Many are still clutching their chests, rejoicing at the pain of heart failure that finally graced them with mercy and ended their agony of famine. There's not much expression on their sullen faces. Sunken eyes stare back at me with the same apathetic look as those that gave up on them. Those that couldn't be bothered to take a few minutes out of their day to give a crap at what was happening to their planet. And as I move from one victim to the next, my shame grows. There are so many of them I cannot even see where the line of them starts and where it ends. Each one deserves my heartfelt apology. Each one deserves to know that I could have prevented their deaths, but I lacked the ability to save them. They entertain my selfish need to apologize to them to absolve a small portion of my guilt. My apologies last mere seconds, and even still, the time it takes to say I'm sorry to a billion people means I spend well over 100 years of my afterlife attempting to make amends for my failures. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that my efforts amount to nothing if we cannot get the rest of humanity on board. I would be doing these future victims a grave injustice if I don't pull out all the stops. It's important to remain unbiased, but that's not the same as being uncaring. For the most part, as you can probably tell from most of our other episodes, I'm a pretty light-hearted guy. But you would be sorely mistaken if you don't think I care about this situation. We tossed around a few names and ideas when we were deciding on how to present this show. You know what we almost decided to call this podcast? Not the name of this episode, but the actual show itself, instead of calling it Viable Underdogs. Here was the other name. What the actual fuck are we doing? And this was not intended as a joke, because really, what the actual fuck are we doing? You know what the one saving grace about that afterlife scenario I just presented was? Every single one of you is also there with me, because we're all in this together. Now our goal in this episode is to provide some much-needed perspective, and we realize that this may offend some people, particularly those who realize that freedom has a price. Free markets and democracy are the most effective models at liberating human ingenuity. Totalitarian systems stifle human ingenuity. This is why the countries that implement a free market economy and afford its citizens the greatest amount of freedoms are the most prosperous. These countries have uncaged human ingenuity and allowed it to run rampant. Normally, we discuss human ingenuity in a positive light, and it was the main focus of episode 15. However, it's important to remember that human ingenuity can be a force of good or bad. Left unchecked, 
human ingenuity was responsible for the new and creative ways we humans engaged in killing ourselves. The ability to kill ourselves as quickly as we have done in the many wars of the 20th century and the atomic bombs dropped on Japan are examples of unchecked human ingenuity. Millions were senselessly murdered, raped, and tortured in genocides occurring in places like Nazi Germany, 1970s Cambodia, and 1990s Rwanda. To be clear, we're not trying to say that democracy and free markets were responsible for these deaths. Many of these places and situations were the result of totalitarian or fascist regimes. So what we're trying to say, sadly, is in fact far, far worse. As we said already, democracy and free markets uncage human ingenuity, and totalitarianism tends to heavily slow down human ingenuity. This means any progress in technology, science, medicine, and other discoveries. And herein lies this tricky dilemma. It's not that democracies or free markets are new ideas. These have existed on the planet for thousands of years. But this is the first time they have been in full force as the mass disruption of the 20th century shows. And the rapid and dramatic change the world has undergone since then has been possible from human ingenuity. Democracies and free speech make it possible for the entire population to propose ideas and solutions to anything. And although some of these proposals end up going nowhere, many of these are quite intelligent and further human progress. It's not typically governments that come up with new and innovative ideas. It's the people within the country. When power is in the hands of the very few, like in totalitarian systems, the potential for new ideas only comes from a very small portion of the population. And this can be further compounded with class-type systems, or worse, strategic racism intended to subdue a significant portion of the population. This causes any technological, scientific, and any other type of progress to slow down significantly or stop altogether. This occurs because the people in power are unable to derive ideas from the population. This concept of idea generation from the bottom up as opposed to the, from the top down is already something more progressive businesses are adopting most of which can be found in fast-changing industries and fields of technology. This has already been proven to work. It's not an untested idea or theory. It already has proof of concept, and yes, we will revisit this next week. The stifling of human ingenuity, which occurs in totalitarian systems, might not be the best scenario for our species, but it could be argued that it's the best scenario for survival. Our systems of democracies and free speech haven't been proven to work. The current evidence is currently suggesting that everything we're doing is unsustainable. If we can't regulate our own behaviors, if we can't be expected to behave ethically and responsibly, if we can't cooperate, then we are all complicit on taking a massive steaming shit on the ideas behind democracy and free speech. Our world is on the brink of collapse. What's preventing this from being corrected isn't technical issues, denial, greed, or even corruption. Do these add up to the problem? Of course, 
but as per last episode, using the 80-20 rule, these problems only make up 20% of the problem. The other 80% is apathy, inaction. If we cannot self-regulate ourselves and behave sustainably, then what we're saying is we need others to make decisions for us. And globally, the only way we can survive is by abandoning our abilities to make decisions. Because our current decisions are devastating our home, this planet. In terms of survival, the Dark Ages seem like a much better choice. Sure, most of the population cannot read or write, they have some funny ideas concerning medicine and science, and most of the population aren't afforded a whole lot of rights or even freedoms. But the system has been proven to be more sustainable one than ours. You know, the one doing very little to stop global extinction. This is further compounded by another issue. Our damage to the planet has gone unchecked for so long, and human ingenuity has been allowed to run rampant, whether used for good or bad, that we are past the point of going back. The only thing that will save us is doubling down on human ingenuity. Every solution I propose already has proof of concept in another field. It's just never been attempted on this scale. This is the biggest fight in the history of our species, and I signed on to the losing side. This isn't a fight against an obvious enemy. This is a fight against ignorance. This is a fight against pride. This is a fight against fear of change. This is a fight against human insecurities. It's a fight against bias and prejudice. It's a fight against our own law of least effort natures. But most of all, it's a fight against apathy. Hey Earth, wake the fuck up, your home is on fire.